Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hi, James. Hey, Scott. Welcome to another week. Thank you. What Thanks. are we doing today? You know, today, I think it's a good time just to come back to the things we can control in our financial lives. Okay. Yeah. Feels like everything's out of control. Well, you know, yeah, markets are a little crazy. We kind of talked about that last week. So when that happens, it, it can be nice to come back to focus on the things we can control because we certainly can't control whether or not the stock market goes up or down daily or the bond market or for that matter, you know, what happens around the globe. But the there supermarket, are things the we can control. Market, yeah. Tons of that. Yep. And we'll preface this like we did last week that we are recording in early May. And who knows where the stock market is by the time this is released, which is probably early June. Yeah. And who knows when people are listening to this. So yeah. some of this information is going to be different in terms of the stock market could be down more, could be up more, but the principles we're going to talk about, because it's what you can control, these will remain consistent. Absolutely. What should we be looking at? Or how do you want to phrase what we'll be going over in today's episode? Well, I think let's just look through the, in a sense, the tenets of planning that you and I would think about and what mm-hmm. are the things that we can think about and control or potentially look to see, should we do anything? Mm-hmm. Does that mm-hmm. sound good? That sounds great. Okay. What would you like to start with? Let's start with just, again, quickly saying investments are out of control, but investments can also feel like the entire picture when we're looking at our portfolio. It's like, yes. oh my gosh, look what's going on. That is one, not small, it's one big and important piece, but the short-term fluctuations of that, not too consequential in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. What is consequential is the things that we're going to do with things like our cash flow, mm-hmm. what we're going to do with our assets or with our debts, things we can do with tax planning or estate planning. And so today it's going to be a little bit of just a smattering of just what potential things can you look at as an individual looking to make the most of a potential market correction, recession, whatever it might be. How can you position yourself to be in the best possible position going forward? Exactly. Yeah. So let's start with this. Let's start on the cash flow side, which okay. is essentially income coming in, expenses and going out. What types of things should we be looking at with our personal cash flow? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I think it seemed like everyone felt pretty flush. Balance sheets are really strong for most people. Savings rates were up a lot. I know savings rates have come down a little bit with the data that we've seen, but I think that's just because consumer spending was up, which is probably why inflation's up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's all across the board. It'll probably find its way out of here. But you know, if cash flow is going to feel tight for you, I would suggest going back and looking at, go back to the basics and look at like, you know, we did that episode. I think it was one of the episodes we did a long, long time ago called Budgeting Sucks, Do This Instead. Yeah. Go back and look at like, what are the things that I have turned on that I'm paying automatically and make sure that they all need to be there. Yeah. So I bet a lot of those things are going to be there, your mortgage, your insurances, but there might be things in there that you don't really necessarily need anymore. You know, yeah. Yeah. it's just a way to see, can I free up any cash flow? Yeah, because I think when you're flush with income or cash and things are good, it's just easy to start that bloat happens in your yeah. budget. I'll add this subscription and I'll do this and I'll add this monthly expense and it's manageable. 
because mm-hmm. income's there and things are good. But as you know, if there is a recession or if we are going through downtime, there's potential that people have job losses. There's a potential that people have income cuts. Uh-huh. And those are especially good times just to revisit where where money's going each month. Exactly. And you know, do you really need seven streaming subscriptions or do you not use Apple TV and Hulu and Netflix anymore? And you just want your Disney Plus and whatever else. You know, cut some of those out. Or do you really need and there's no should or shouldn't. It's kind of a case by case individual basis, but exactly. it's it's a chance to be intentional about it. Of okay, if I were to need to cut back, am I even using all these things I'm paying for? Mm-hmm. Or can I potentially cut some of them out? which the less expenses you have, the less hard you'll be hit by any type of a downturn. Absolutely. And then from there, I think you can go look at the idea of discretionary expenses. What do you spend to go out to eat and do all those things? And then it's just a matter of, well, do I want to change my life right now? Or am I comfortable where things are? Yeah. But it's just knowing, do you have money left over every month? Is there money going into a savings account or into an investment account? Where do you stand? Just check in with how things are. Yep. Absolutely. I, I think another thing on the cash flow side is we encourage people to have things called emergency funds. And you have an emergency fund because you can't guarantee whatever your income will be will be there forever. Mm-hmm. And you can't guarantee that there will never be an emergency expense. So there's this need to have an emergency fund to cover unexpected expenses or job loss or anything like that. And when times are good, there's this sense that what do I need this emergency fund for? It's yeah. just sitting there. I could be investing this. I could be using this. And when times aren't so good, we really recognize the need for an emergency fund. Mm -hmm. So just revisit that. And this is something that shouldn't necessarily ebb and flow with our times good or bad. You should really have a consistent amount, ideally, to be there and to resist the urge to trim that or invest that or do something else with that when times are good. But reevaluate the size of your emergency fund and see, is this enough to protect me and my family if something were to happen? Or do I need to potentially increase it or decrease it if maybe it's too large, but making sure that you're taking a look at that. Exactly. And I think that in addition to an emergency fund, an emergency plan. So we tied into expenses before, but kind of like the question would be like, well, if things really did hit the fan for us, how would we change our spending? Because then what you'll find is if you set up an emergency fund where I'm just going to make up a number, you need $10,000 a month to live life. And then instead you say, well, under my emergency plan, we wouldn't take those trips and we wouldn't do these specific things. So maybe our monthly spend goes from 10 to eight. Mm-hmm. Well then, you know, if you have six months or 60 grand, well then you actually have a lot more yeah. runway because you're able to cut in that moment. Yeah, exactly. What would the actual monthly amount be that you need to spend in an actual emergency scenario of losing a job? Exactly. You may have had a disruption in employment. We're kind of talking hypothetical at this point. We, we had one, one quarter of GDP shrinking in a recession, of course, is two of those in a row. Yeah. And who knows where we actually are. So I don't, we don't mean this podcast episode to be doomsday at all. As no. much as Who knows what's going to happen. And it's good to put measures in place before bad things happen and not need them than it is to be caught flat-footed. And that's the key. What if. That's the key. It's better to be looking at these things ahead of time. And if these little gyrations in the markets have you thinking like, oh, how do I feel about this? Well, all the better to take that moment to go get this plan yep. really worked out for you. Yeah, exactly. Because the next thing just on our, we're looking at a checklist here of things that we would walk clients through if something were to happen or how to best prepare. Yeah. If there's a disruption to employment and you're laid off from work through no fault of your own, you're eligible for unemployment. And this goes yeah. back to that emergency fund thing of Let's say, Scott, to your example, that in a normal month, maybe someone spends $10,000. Mm-hmm. If there was an emergency and they were to lose a job, maybe they'd only spend $6,000 because they're going to forego the trips and some of the entertainment and some of the discretionary things. Right. 
Well, they might think, okay, I would need 6,000 per month to be able to support life. Well, if you're eligible for unemployment, that might generate some income that would generate some income. Yeah. So it's not really 6,000 that you're on the hook for, it's 6,000 minus whatever comes in from unemployment. So just one way of looking at, again, the goal with an emergency fund is to say, where would income come from if it's not coming from salary anymore? How do you start to generate that? So Absolutely. The other side of that coin, I also just think like, if you're really happy where you are at work, do all the things that you can to get the pay increases, to position yourself, keep the network growing. So if should anything ever come up, you can have a softer landing. Yeah. Yeah. People who are preparing to retire get especially nervous, rightfully so, in times like this. Absolutely. What does this mean for the market? What does this mean for my job? What does this mean for it's those anxious thoughts just start swirling? Yeah. So for those people who think the retirement is not too far out, revisit those planning projections, revisit what that looks like, revisit just are you still on track? And not just are you on track if things go according to plan and you hit kind of an average expected outcome, but run the what ifs. What if there's a down market for a prolonged period of time? Mm -hmm. What if inflation's higher than it's going to be on average for a prolonged period of time? What if expenses or health insurance or whatever is hot, just kind of rerun some of those plans, review the budget. Just these are the times where you really want to revisit that because if you can get your plan to work in times that aren't so fun and exciting, it just gets better as markets turn around or inflation abates or jobs continue and incomes continue. Completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. What else might we want to look at there? Well, if you are retired and you're taking distributions from portfolios, you might want to look at how much am I withdrawing? And is this, you know, we've talked to briefly in the past about this thing called a sustainable withdrawal rate, yeah. but make sure you have a good plan in place and that everything is poised so that you can carry through a downturn should one occur. Because yeah. one will occur, at least one during your retirement. <laughs> and more than likely, a number of them will happen yeah. because we're, you're probably going to be retired for 30 to 40 years. Right. So make sure that you have a solid plan in place to make sure that you're good to go. And if you are going to need to make a cut, know when you would make a cut and how would you do it? Just have all of that up front. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think there's this sense of, oh, you retire and you put your money in some quote unquote retiree portfolio and then you just take money each month. And within that portfolio, there's stocks, there's bonds, there's different types of stocks, different types of bonds and being intentional about which of those assets are you drawing from. Mm -hmm. Ideally, you're drawing from the ones that are staying stable at a minimum, if not growing, mm -hmm. so that you're not forcing yourself to sell any investments at a discount or at a kind of lock in a loss yes. if you are living on those dollars for your retirement. Absolutely. Cool. So those are some of the cash flow things. Yeah. What about just some asset or debt considerations we might look at? You know, well, one of the things I think we think about is, and it kind of ties back into cash flow and emergency fund, but if you are in a position where you have like any high interest rate debt, like you know, be it credit cards or something like that, it might be a wonderful time just to get rid of those. Yeah. Simplify the balance sheet. Yeah. If you have extra cash and you want to just secure the financial foundation you have, could be great. Yeah. We have on a checklist kind of just to look at mortgage interest rates, consider refinancing and would that reduce your payment? Would that reduce your cost? Maybe, maybe not the time to do that. It's now. an old checklist. <laughs> no, well, this checklist, it was relevant two months ago, three yeah, months ago. It was. <laughs> now, maybe not so much. But who knows where interest rates go? Like they could always fluctuate. And most people don't have rates higher than what current interest rates are. But if you do, never hurts to see, could you refinance anything that you have to lock in a lower payment? Exactly. Another thing you could definitely be doing, we mentioned this last week, but check your investment accounts to see if you should rebalance. 
your investment accounts, your retirement accounts. So that's where we talked about, you know, you may have a strategic asset allocation or a target allocation. Just make one up right now, 60% stocks, 40% bonds. If things have gotten out of whack, it may make sense to, you know, sell something that is performing better to buy something that's doing worse. So essentially what you're doing is you're selling in a sense high and buying low in an asset allocation. And time has proven and the evidence has proven again and again that rebalancing really does help with the long-term success of portfolios for clients in retirement. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So these are the times to do those rebalances and rebalances really don't ever feel good. The goal of a rebalance is to sell what's done the best, at least relatively speaking, to buy what's done the worst, at least relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make a lot of sense in the moment, but makes a lot of sense over time to make sure you're doing what's needed. Yeah. When the emotion's there, it doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. <laughs> when you're able to think rationally, you're like, yeah, why wouldn't I do that? Of course I would do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. We talked about an emergency fund a bit ago and the fact that these are good times to reevaluate to see is your emergency fund truly large enough if something were to actually happen. The flip side of that is you could have too much cash. Totally. It's very easy to say, I don't know what to do with it. So I'm just going to keep it in my bank account. Well, not necessarily a bad thing to have done that, but maybe a bad thing to continue doing that if there's a better purpose for that money. Mm -hmm. And these are also great times when the market's down. If you've still got time to go and have excess cash, these are the best possible buying opportunities. Yeah. The stock market, at least as of this recording, is currently on sale. Yep. <laughs> right? Like yeah. it's, it's on sale if you'd like to buy. Absolutely. And that's not to say it won't go on sale even more. Yep. It could. Discounts it could increase. Discounts we'll see. Discounts could increase. But as you zoom out and as you look at what's the ultimate long-term goal of these dollars, if it's not to use them in a short period of time, well, let's invest them at a time where the market's down, could go down further, but by the time you need these funds, more likely than not going to have increased, if not increased substantially. Exactly. Yeah. That also goes in line, I would say, if, with those people who are making contributions to traditional IRAs or Roth IRAs, if yep. that's what you're doing, K's, the whole anything, thing. Mm-hmm. if you've got the availability, if you can time that to where you do it when the market's down. And I shouldn't say time it because that gives a sense that we, we never believe in timing. <laughs> when the market's <clears throat> down, if you can accelerate contributions with extra cash flow, great. It's a way yeah. to turn a downturn into a, just an opportunity. Exactly. And these could be good times to do that. Exactly. Another side of that would be like Roth conversions, yeah. right? So if, if you're looking to do Roth conversions and, you know, Roth conversion basically means we take some IRA assets and we convert it into a Roth IRA. So we're paying taxes on the amount that we convert. Well, if the funds are down and it is something that makes sense for you, well, doing it when prices have depreciated, that can actually be really beneficial. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're doing it. And people say, well, that doesn't make sense. You're still converting the same dollar amount. So say you're doing a conversion and you want to convert, I'm just going to say $60,000. And let's say you had a stock portfolio at the beginning of the year, that's $100,000. Right. Well, if you were to convert 60000 then, you have 60% of your money in a Roth account and 40% in a pre-tax account. Mm-hmm. But what if that $100,000 stock portfolio dropped in value 40%? Right. And is now 60000 Yeah, you just convert the whole thing. Now, if you convert 100% of the growth is going to be in your Roth account, mm-hmm. 0% in your pre-tax. So you're just amplifying how much you can convert while doing it when it's low. Exactly. So cool. That's tax planning issues. And one other tax planning thing you could actually consider while we're on that topic is tax loss harvesting. So -hmm. this doesn't apply with IRAs or Roth IRAs or 401ks or any retirement accounts. But if you have a brokerage account, which is just 
taxable account yep. and you buy a stock or an investment and that investment goes down in value, you can sell it, which locks in a tax benefit. Exactly. We don't want to just sell it though and then stay out of the market because that's what we encourage people not to do. What we want to do is turn around and not repurchase the same exact security because that leads to what's called a wash sale and discredits the tax loss, but a very similar security, one that's going to closely replicate that performance. So you get the benefit of staying invested, but you also lock in losses that you can write off against future gains, which can be the gains on that same stock portfolio. It could be the gains on selling real estate. It can be the gains on Mm -hmm. really just any capital gain, or you can write off a portion of it against ordinary income. That's up to three thousand dollars per year. And don't worry if you book more losses than the three thousand, mm-hmm. because you can carry over losses yes. in future years. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. What are some other planning issues that people can take a look at this year or any year where there's a recession or market downturn? Well, if you do have a lot of extra cash and you ever did want to give it to your family members to be able to go and invest, well, now's a discounted time. You can certainly do that. Yeah. You can't gift up to $16,000 a year to anyone. So mm-hmm. it's definitely a potentially use your annual gifting to pass assets onto your heirs during the downturn. Something yeah. you could look at. Yeah. For people with higher net worths and that would be subject to estate tax issues in the long term, gifting is a big part of what they do. And it's a part of what other people do too, even if you're not subject to estate planning issues. Mm-hmm. But that gift can go farther because you're only able to gift so much before you have to start reporting it. That gift can go farther when asset prices are depressed because you can gift more shares or more value, kind of like that Roth conversion example. Yeah. And then any appreciation happens for the donee when they receive the assets and it grows from there. Totally. Yeah. On the topic of estate planning, these are great times just to make sure your estate plan is up to date. Yes. Not because recession means you're going to die and you need to go get this taken care of as much as this is a good time just to take a look at everything. And while you're looking at cash flow and looking at retirement and looking at taxes, have you reviewed your estate plan recently? Mm -hmm. Do you need to make an update to successor trustees or beneficiaries or what would happen to children if something were to happen to you? So almost always a good time to revisit that because it's something that everyone knows that they need to do, but it's Mm -hmm. hard to actually get through and do it. Yeah, no one likes to think about death, but it's an important thing to cover. Yeah. You know, one thing that we didn't bring up that I think is worth noting, and especially with the, you know, here in Southern California, we've seen, and around the nation, you know, with inflation being what it is, you're seeing, hearing a lot of things like home prices have risen, you know, 18, 20% year over year. And that's happened for a couple of years. One of the things to go look at is what the rebuild cost would be on your property and casualty insurance, on your homeowner's mm-hmm. insurance, mm-hmm. right? Because what we're seeing around here, at least in Southern California, is that the cost to build right now are just so much higher than what we probably thought they were a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So just make sure that if something happens, mm-hmm. if like a little fire, God forbid, knock on wood, nothing happens to anyone. But if something does happen, you're covered. Yeah, especially because if something does happen and there's a recession and you've lost your job, like that's a horrible sequence of events. So yes. can you get things properly planned for before that happens? And hopefully it doesn't, but best to be prepared. Absolutely. Yeah. We covered a lot there. I was pretty big, broad brushstrokes. But I think there's a lot of important data, a lot of stuff here to think about. I think so. I think most episodes we tend to go, we look at one thing and Mm -hmm. go at least as deep as we can in a 15, 20 plus minute episode. But sometimes it's good to take a look at higher level, broad brush. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else you'd add to this? That's it. Cool. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I was going to about to say thank you for your question, but I realize this isn't a listener question. This is ha, just us an overview. Thank yeah. you, Scott, for your topic. And yeah. we'll see everyone next time. See ya. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there's a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for us to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.